Welcome to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast, where we look inside the mind of seven-figure entrepreneurs to see how they amplify their business and amplify their life. Let's welcome today's guest. Today's guest is the founder of Short and the Gap, an education and marketing consulting company. He is the go-to expert for amplifying your marketing and sales whilst connecting your brand to your mission to create even more raving clients. He's a TV host of Business Rockstars, where he's interviewed 1,000 plus successful entrepreneurs up to billionaires and celebrities. So please give a very warm welcome to the show, today's guest, Mark Lack. How you doing, Mark? Doing good, brother. Good to be on here. Yeah, you, you, you're a super chill guy. Do you know what? When you came came straight on video and I was like, you feel I feel like I know him before I've even spoke to him. You just, you just like kind of go, just like, oh, how you doing? It's been a while. Yeah, bro. It's good. So, to, I connect with so many people online, you know what I mean? It feels like you know everybody, especially with the digital world we're in. And let's let's talk about that a little bit because when when you were younger, you know, I, I noticed you were you were into paintballing. I, I say into paintballing. You were quite an extreme paintballist. So yeah. I'm a more of a wuss than you. Uh, <laughs> but but now now you're this like confident guy who you know is all about personal branding and and speaking from stage and all those kind of things. So like, what was the shift that happened for you to take it from that introverted guy to that confident guy who was interviewing thousands of people? I think the difference was, um, I think there's a lot of introverted people out there. I think just, I can probably speak as a broad generalization for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, people want more, they want, they want more out of their relationships. They want more out of their health. They want more out of their finances. People want to have, have more, right? We live in an instant gratification society. We, We want things and we want them now. Um, I don't know anybody if I were to be on stage or everybody listening, if I said, who here would love more money? I'm sure a lot of hands would go up. Um, who here would like more freedom, more time freedom to do what you want, when you want, live the life you want, and so on and so forth. People want more, more of what they want. And so for me, um, I think the difference was I just figured out who I needed to become to actually have the things I said I wanted. Most people say, oh, I'd love to have more money, but they tell themselves a story about why they can't. But I live in Mississippi. Oh, I'd love to be able to, you know, travel and do this other stuff. But they tell themselves a story. I have a nine to five job, so it's just never going to happen. Oh, that's just not realistic for people like me. Um, That's just not realistic for our family. We tell ourselves limiting stories, limiting beliefs, and I think the difference was, is I was just like a lot of people, I told myself, and I still do, I'm still a normal person, um, tell myself limiting stories about who I am, what I can achieve, what I, can, what I can't do, what I can do. And it's all just make-believe anyways. It's just stories we tell ourselves. But the problem is we tell ourselves a story long enough, we start to believe it. And so luckily, you know, I had people like Tony Robbins who uh, I was searching on the internet, you know, how do I become successful and confident and how do I become the person that I, I really want to be um, in all areas of my life. And I came across Tony Robbins. He lit a fire inside of me. He he ignited this awareness. We all have the awareness and the knowledge. Like, it's not like when you hear this stuff, it's like, oh my God, where, where do you learn this? I've never heard this before. It's not like this information is like, you know, quantum physics where it's like, you've never heard it ever. Mm-hmm. When you hear this stuff, it makes sense. You're like, what, what he's saying right now makes sense. 
So when I heard Tony Robbins, it, it all made sense. I just hadn't, I didn't have enough people around me talking this way. I didn't have enough people around me bringing me up, enough people around me telling me you can achieve anything, you can accomplish anything. Because you often surround yourselves, the, the stories you tell yourself are usually a reflection of your environment. So mm -hmm. the reason you're telling yourself those limiting stories is probably because your nearest environment of your friends and your family and your school and your teachers and things like that are reinforcing the story. You see, we tell ourselves the stories of the people we hang out around. Mm. We tell ourselves the stories that most reflect those that we hang out around. So if you hang out around people that have great relationships, you tell yourself a story about how you could potentially have that or how you want that and you'll work towards that. You hang out around a bunch of rich people you're probably going to become the next rich person because it's just inevitable. You're like, well, everybody's rich that I hang out with. They're going to tell me I can be rich and they're going to tell me things to do to become rich. And so for me, I, I wanted things like most people, but I started to change the story. I started to change the narrative. I started to change what I studied. I started to change who I hung out with. I started to change what books I read. And I started to change my environment, the people, the places, the things. And I started to condition a new story within myself that I could be rich financially. I could be rich in my relationships and my health. I could be rich with massive time freedom and choices to do what I want, when I want, with who I want. And so for me, it all started with recognizing the we all have the awareness. We just need somebody to oftentimes spark the awareness inside of us. Because again, none of what I'm saying should sound like you've never heard this or this doesn't. It sounds like I'm speaking another language. No, I'm just speaking basic ass English. And you probably understand. You're like, what he's saying makes sense. Wow, I don't, hang, I don't have enough people saying what he's saying around me. My friends, my family, they don't, don't talk like this guy. Um, and so, yeah, it all started with changing the things around me, my environment. Everything is an environment. Um, and when I change my environment, then I change myself. Now, let, let's, let's explore that a little bit further. So you've interviewed a thousand plus successful entrepreneurs. Now, how, I, I mean, I, I've got an ulterior motive, right, in terms of doing yeah. the podcast. I get to hang around with people like, like yourself and, and loads of other successful entrepreneurs. It's the best, right? You get, a, yeah. you, get a, you get to pick the brains of a bunch of, you know, people like, moving and like shaking. It's like an MBA for free. <laughs> it is. It really is. So, so tell, tell, me, tell me about that. Like, you, you've interviewed, <clears throat> you know, so, so many entrepreneurs. What was one of the one or two of the key patterns that, that you saw through, throughout the majority of them where you're like, huh, this seems like something that happens over and over again in order to get to that point? One thing that's super common is every single person I've interviewed out of over a thousand, um, every single person has failed more than they've succeeded. And mm -hmm. I think, again, back to the whole conditioning of our environments, school and friends and family, a lot of the times if we're around traditional school systems, they reinforce failure is a bad thing. Because if I said, hey, is failing in school good? When little Jimmy goes home to his mommy and daddy and says, I failed, are they going to be happy? No, they're going to they're gonna shame him and shun him and say, you need a tutor. You can't play with your games or your friends. You need to study. You need to get better grades. But in reality, when we grow up, we realize grades are so stupid. Grades often, grades often don't. I mean, I failed school miserably. I was happy to get C's. My parents were happy if I got a C. Well, not really. They wanted me to get A's and B's. But like a C was good for me. It's like, oh, I didn't fail. Um, and you know, now obviously it's like I make my entire 
class combined in annual, like whatever my student, whatever my class of 30 year olds are doing now, add them all up. I guarantee I make more than all of them combined. And they all got A's and B's. And, you know, I was the dumb kid. I was the stupid kid. I was the kid who had no chance of even getting a job. And thank God I didn't. Right. I started my own company. Um, but you get the point, right? Grades condition us failure. You're a failure. You're stupid. You're not going to accomplish anything because you can't even pass a test. And so we think that there's a correlation between how I do in school and my grades and what I'm going to do in life. There's very rarely ever a correlation. The people who got straight A's don't even make a hundred grand a year. And if they do a hundred grand a year is nothing. You need to make a hundred grand a month at least to even be on the playing field of like having a taste of what financial freedom is. I mean, even at a hundred grand a month, that's just, just, that's just starting the game. And so failure is the thing that actually equals success. School teaches you failure equals negative. Failure equals you're not going to accomplish anything. And so what's so ironic, if you wanted to get into like the hierarchy of why the government created the formal education system in the first place, it's to create nine to five thinkers. It's to create nine to five jobbers. I'm making up words, but you get the point. It's like, it's conditioning you to go get a job because entrepreneurship has lots of failure. And the government, if you wanted to get into high level stuff, the government doesn't want lots of lots of smart, successful, financially free people. Just look at what's happening in the world right now. The government doesn't want us to be smart, to be free, to be financially free. They want to put us under their thumb so they can control us. How do they make sure that happens? One of the ways is the school system. Teach them young. Teach them young that failure is bad. When in reality, how does a baby, I'm, my wife's pregnant, we're about to have our first baby in November. Thanks, brother. So super excited. And what I do know about babies, even though I haven't had one yet, is a baby learns over and over and over again through failure. Because a baby knows nothing. It knows nothing. And if you teach a baby something, it doesn't know what you taught it until it fails and it falls and it crawls and it stands and it falls and it's constantly failing. And we all have become adults at different variant levels, right? We're all different adults. Um, and we failed to get to where we're at. But then when we finally become children and then teenagers and then adolescent adults and then adults, we've been slapped so many times by the societal environments, governments, teachers, people who've all believed the medicine we've taken, which is failure is bad. Don't fail. Because if you fail, you're a failure. Your identity becomes a failure. And if my identity is a failure, I won't accomplish anything. So don't fail. And entrepreneurship requires failure. So when you say to your friends and your family, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur, they go, that's so risky. Don't do it. You could fail. You could lose everything. And yet people who told me that are now like, wow, Mark, you got so lucky. You're so lucky that you have money. Mark, you're so lucky that you have money and you're so lucky that you have time freedom. Don't you know how lucky you are? And I'm like, bitch i ain't lucky i'm like I, i've been putting in the work i took the time the money the risk i have failed way more times than i've succeeded but the people i've interviewed that is the number one thing is every entrepreneur fails and they fail more than they succeed whether it's your first second third fourth fifth company and then the sixth one made you a billionaire so many people i know Every single person I interviewed, I asked them, what's the one thing that you feel like entrepreneurs always have to experience and go through to become successful? Failure. Um, so I don't even think there's a second and third and fourth in that sequential order. The number one thing is failure. And the reason most entrepreneurs never become successful 
is because they fail and then they give up and they don't realize that the second or third or fourth or fifth or hundredth failure could have been on the other side of that, the riches. That's fascinating. I love the phrasing as well that failure, you mentioned in the middle, that failure is a requirement. You know, it wasn't. It's going to happen. It's not an optional because it's not an option. That's why all your friends and family freak out when you say, I'm going to start my own business. And then if they're nice, they go, oh, they go, I'm so excited for you, Paul. I'm so excited for you. But then when you fail, they're like, you know, honestly, I just wanted to support you. But really, it's crazy. You should quit and give up and come have come and be like, come and be like me and have a nine to five job. It's safe. Um, You don't chase the wild pie in the sky dreams of being rich. Don't do that. That's ridiculous. Um, It's not realistic for people like us. Um, And it's just crazy. Failure is the secret to success. But yet we are conditioned early on in life that failure is the thing that you don't want to do. And so therefore you literally remove yourself from having possibilities of success because you're afraid of failure because we've been conditioned to not fail. It's the oh, craziest yeah. shit. I, 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 love, I love this conversation. I didn't know where we were going to head, head today, but like- This is know, some this real is, stuff. Like yeah, I, could give, I could give people strategies, but then yeah. they'll use them. And most likely, because it's their first time using it, they'll fail. They'll fail. <laughs> and they'll be like, doesn't work. That guy was full of shit. Um, but then all of a sudden, it's like if you listen to what I'm saying now in the conversation we're having, it's like, no, failure is going to happen. It's going to happen more than success. But you only need one or two big successes out of thousands of little micro failures. That's the distinction I want to make too. micro failures, yeah. not these big gargantuan failures where your whole life's over, but little micro failures. And in marketing and sales, you have lots of micro failures. Oh, you don't want to sign up? Okay. How could I have been better on that sales call? Oh, the ad campaign didn't convert. How can I change the headline or the image or the message or the product so that it resonates and it converts? Business success has a lot to do with sales and marketing and sales and marketing has a lot to do with re- repetition of failure and optimizations. So so when, when so this conversation d- goes into business success principles yeah. because the number one way a business succeeds is through sales and marketing and sales and marketing and its definition is lots of optimizations through failures and testing. So, um, so and it's also in our life too. What failure is then really isn't even failure. It's essentially what what did you do? Well, I went through a hundred tests, and um, it's feedback. It's a feedback. Turns out the variate that the control one every time the variation that I put in didn't work. Yeah, it's just a feedback loop. Failure is nothing more than data points, and so you have to recondition your brain to look at failure is. the result of something and the result of something could be defined as a data point and therefore failure is a data point so you can change your meaning because words create meaning right um if i say christmas some of us go oh, i love christmas because we have positive references christmas means family christmas means presents christmas means you know love and connection and time off and um, being with the people we love, someone else who maybe wasn't lucky to have that, they hate Christmas. Christmas to them means no family because my family's broken up and Christmas means no presents and Christmas means everyone's else having a good time, but I'm stuck at my little shack because the, you know, the cards I was dealt didn't work out in my favor early on. Mm-hmm. And then they tell themselves that story. So words have meanings. Failure has a meaning behind it that most people want to avoid failure. So change the meaning of failure by using a different word, a synonym that has less emotional charge, data point, feedback loop. Failure is data points with a feedback loop. I took action. I got feedback and the data point told me it wasn't the result that I wanted. Some people call that failure. I call it my narrative. I took action. I did not get the result I wanted. The feedback, the data point told me 
you need to try something else. And you just keep repeating the new action, get the feedback, look at the data. Does it tell me I'm on track, on the right direction, or am I off? And then you just keep doing this over and over and over. Take action. So learn new information, take new action, get feedback. If the feedback's putting you in the right direction and you think that if I continue to compound this behavior, like going to the gym, learn information, go to the gym, I'm working out, the results are not always instantaneous, but do I feel like I made progress and I'm in the right direction? And if I repeat this positive action over and over again, I'm going to be freaking shredded. I'm going to be in great shape. And it's the same thing in all areas of our life. Little tiny micro actions with feedback loops so that the failure is never big. The failure is always in a micro minute controlled environment where I go, oh, it didn't work. Good thing I didn't put too much money on it. Good thing I didn't put too much time on it. Good thing I and if it looks good, then you put more time, more money, more effort, more resources. It's all all fascinating stuff. And anyone listening to this episode, I recommend listening to this two or three times because what what Mark is saying maybe won't even go in the first time. Um, and it take takes two, three repeated again. Again, everything's repeated exposure. And, and also, yeah. Mark, I want to want to shift gears a little bit as well to talk a little bit more about you know your your side of the business and a little bit of a strategy side of things as well so like you're really in, in the personal branding space and, and helping people grow through through that part of things now tell me about the the dunbar top 150 now how what what is that and how does that relate to personal branding yeah so it's two things that i love are some research um that i've i've come across and it's called the Dunbar Top 150, as you stated, which basically just means that you and me and the people listening, our prospects, our clients, our customers, our partners, we can all as human beings, for the most part, unless you're just a freak and you're just a genius, right? Um, the average person, and I would say, you know, just 99% of the population can only remember 150 people, brands, products, places at any one given point in time. Now, the brain has like 60,000 thoughts a day, but thoughts are not holding in our brain like, oh, I remember Paul and Dave and Susie and Cheryl. Uh, you know, right? You're not thinking about 150 people in a day. You're not thinking about 150 businesses in a day, like consciously. Mm -hmm. Unconsciously, we are having 60,000 plus thoughts in a single day. But like consciously, if I told you right now to list off 150 different brands, you would probably easily get through 50. Mm. You start to struggle around 70. You'd really struggle around 100. And at 130 and 40, you're probably just making stuff up at that point. Like you're just saying words and they probably are brands, but you don't really consciously know like, well, what's the logo? What's the color? What is the product they sell? Um so it's hard to remember 150 brands, 150 products, which is why when I ask you, hey, you know, what book should I read? You're probably only going to give me five to 10. And you're probably going to specify your question, well, what type of book? So that you don't even have to list off or think because our brains don't like to think. We like to simplify. And that's why our brains can only remember about 150 products and brands. And we're, we never even think that many. We only think of like five. So the reason I like the Dunbar Top 150 is because you have to fight to get into the top 150 in your prospect's mind so that they're consciously thinking about you on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. For example, I love to use this example because it's companies that have done such a good job. The Dunbar of top 150, if you can do it right, if you can get your customers and your prospects to be thinking about you consistently, mm -hmm. I'll play a little magic trick with the listeners here. Companies that have done such a good job of this have actually 
gotten us to just think the problem where we're oh my back and then you think maybe icy hot you just you just think of the problem their brand pops up in your brain Mm. or you think of the product like just arbitrary products like soda what brand comes to mind when i say soda most people right now you just said it coca-cola most people think coca-cola i just said soda why are we thinking that um, other brands, right, have literally dominated Kleenex. What's a Kleenex? It's a it's a tissue. Kleenex is a brand. Kleenex is a brand. It's you think Kleenex, you think tissue, soda, Coca Cola, cheeseburger, uh, McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, I, and I'd take that a slightly like, different way as well. The the other way, if you take the the product and then the tagline of it, what McDonald's did very very smartly. Yeah. Is it went ba 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 ba? I'm loving it, and then removed the I'm loving it, so your mind started to fill in the blanks between McDonald's ba 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 ba. I'm loving. It. I'm loving it. Exactly, genius. And then they literally have taken you know products and Happy Meals like Coke, and they put your favorite um, your favorite sports teams on the on the brand on the bottle. Oh, I'm gonna drink Coke because it's got my favorite sports team. And then they put your name on it, so you grab a Coke and it says like Paul or Mark on it, and you're like oh, and you, so it's creating identification. I'm identifying my favorite sports team with Coke. I'm identifying I love it with Coke. I'm identifying Happy Meals with McDonald's. And so they, they're they genius at connecting these two. So I like personal brand, because what we're talking about is branding, yes. business branding. Same principles can be correlated into personal branding. How do I take a, prob- a problem or a product and get you to think me? When people think personal branding, Mm-hmm. I'm doing I'm doing a good job at getting people to think me. Like when you say who's one of the top personal branding people teaching it online, I guarantee I'm in the top five of the entire world. I'm probably top three for the majority. Um, top five being humble. Top three for sure, like no question. Um, and for a lot of people, the only one they think of. Like other people, they might think of like, oh, they have a big personal brand. I've heard them once mention personal branding in a podcast, but they don't actually have a business model that's 100% focused on personal branding. So that's the only delineation. So if you got specific and said, who's somebody whose entire focus is on personal branding, then that would take me probably into the top one. Because if you just said who talks about personal branding, I'm top five. But if you said who only focuses on it, then I'll probably come up top one. Um, So I'm doing the exact same thing I'm teaching, which is how do you take a product or a problem and get people to instantly associate it to you? So when somebody's doing a podcast on personal branding, I'm always invited. When somebody's doing a blog article on personal branding, I'm invited. When somebody's doing a seminar, I'm invited. And so you get the point, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. that's the benefit is it's like you start to take the product and the problem and get people to associate it to you. And we can talk about different ways for how to actually do that because the top 150 is the conceptual overarching idea that you, you can and should associate products and problems to you. So when people think, oh, my back hurts, icy hot. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm thirsty. I want a soda. Coke, um, and so on and so forth. So it's a really powerful technique, and it starts with another methodology and and study, which is the mere exposure effect, which has been studied since the 1800s, and it basically just states that the more you put a message in front of somebody, Mm -hmm. a brand, a brand message to reinforce the narrative, um, politicians do a great job of this to get people to vote for the other side, right? Um, 
even if it's a lie, if you just tell the same story over and over again, people believe it. So the mere exposure effect is a psychological phenomenon in which te people tend to develop a preference for things merely because they are um, consistently exposed to the same message. And so, for example, um, I mean, you can I can go back and show historical things of people who did a good job of this, right? Uh, the mere exposure effect can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Branding can be used for good good for bad sales persuasion can be used for good for bad um and so a lot of these techniques can be used for good and for bad um and so at the end of the day if you put a good message in front of people over and over and over again they're going to become familiar and so if i continue to put myself on the internet i'm the personal branding guy i'm the personal branding guy i can help you get more known people say I, I need to get more known i need to get out there people people say paul your podcast is so good you need to get more people to know about you hey your book is so incredible how do not how do you not have more people buying it oh my god your product is so good you need more people to know about you you immediately think of me mark lack personal branding i help you get more known um and i do it in all the psychological ways of the mere exposure effect double our top 150 so that if you repeat a message consistently enough through content branding pr you become known as the go-to person um, purely from psychological um, seed planting. I love it. I, I love it. That's fantastic. Now, Mark, Mark, something as well that we ask everyone who comes on the show, and I, I'm interested to hear your answer because you are, you know, you you planted your seed uh, and <laughs> firmly planted the foot uh, in the space that you're in. Now, what do you want to be remembered for when you die? A great question, and I'm clear on the answer. I want people to feel like I am perfectly inspired people to try to live the best life that they could live to be you know mentally physically spiritually financially emotionally in alignment and achieving everything that they've always wanted to so that when i die people are like i'm sad he's dead but man that guy lived his best life mm -hmm. and therefore you can live your best life so that when your time comes you don't feel like oh man I I, I, I should have, I, I would have, I could have, if I could have gotten a second chance, I, I would have done it differently. No, I did it all. I checked all those boxes. I don't have any regrets. I don't have any, any goals, any aspirations. I accomplished them all because I'm living my best life. Now, if I die before and I die early, like today or something, um, then it is what it is because up until this moment, I have lived my best life. So I want to inspire people to live their best life. Um, and whatever that means for them. My my life is not yours. I want to be an inspiration for others to be like, that guy doesn't give a fuck. That guy's living his best life. That guy's going to do whatever he wants. Um, that guy is an example for me to go and live my best life. Mm -hmm. um, and if I can inspire others to live their best life, that's like my number one goal um, is like, I want people at my funeral to just stand there and be like, I was able to go and accomplish my goals. I was able to step into my true authentic identity and I was able to be inspired to want to go and achieve the best possible life I could because of this man. And so if I can inspire people to do that through podcasts, through my education companies, um, because I believe education is the, the first tier order of changing the world. Um, you can do, you can give people stuff, you, you, but if you don't, and you don't educate them. You know the old adage out of the Bible, um, 
you can teach a man to fish or you can give him a fish. One of them will change his life and it ain't giving him a fish. That's my version. Um, so teaching, teaching a man how to fish will change his life. Giving him a fish will not. Um, and so I believe that through education, we can change the world. And so I want to inspire, I want to educate, and I want to change the world in, in that way. So everything I do is pretty much education-based. I love it. I love it. Education changed my life too, by the way. So I was the dumb kid who got, you know, picked on and made fun of because I was stupid. And then education changed my whole life. And so I am where I am today because I inspired and I got inspired by Tony Robbins and other great mentors and their education through my self-education. Nobody forced me to learn this stuff. And yet this is the stuff that changed my life. The stuff I was forced to learn has been worthless. The stuff I learned myself through self-education and great mentors changed my life. So now I'm trying to be that person to change other people's lives. Tony Robbins and other mentors were that person for me. And look at what I'm able to do now because of them. I want to be that person for some other person Pass out there forward. in the world. Pass yeah. it forward. So if this podcast can just inspire one person to pick up a book, to go better themselves, to just get a little bit better every single day and inspire them to go out, and then they can inspire somebody else. I want to just be the rock in the pond that had a ripple effect of inspiring more people, you know? Phenomenal stuff. Now that actually leads into the next question as well is, what is one quick win that people can use to amplify their business today? A quick win to amplify their business. I got a big one for you. This is going to be a, this is a solid ass bomb right here. Um, this could make y'all tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. And for those of you that really, truly execute it consistently through your career and business, it could be worth millions of dollars, tens of millions as it has been worth for me. Here's the strategy. Ask yourself this question. I'm going to first say it. If you have your own product and business, if you don't, this advice is still the same. You just, you just broker and facilitate other people's businesses, just like a a mortgage broker or a real estate agent broker, a buyer and a seller of a house. Uh, so someone has a house they want to sell. Someone has a house they want to buy. And if you can connect the buyer and the seller as a real estate agent or a mortgage broker, you get a commission. And yet you had no business, no product, no service. You found the people with the businesses, a buyer and a seller, you connected them, you got the broker deal. So what I'm about to share works, even if you're just a random person at home who works at Chick-fil-A and you're like, how do I, how does this relate to me? Um, it still works. Um, I'll tie back into that example later. So if you have your own product or service, here's what you need to do. Ask yourself this question. Who already has my customer? Who already built my audience? Who already serves the people that I want to serve? And if you ask yourself that question, you should come up with a list. You're Dunbar top 150, right? And if you don't have 10, 20, 30 people on the list, you don't know your industry well enough, you need to do more research, which is easy. In one or two days, you could do enough research um, to get started. So who already built your audience? Who already built your follower list? Who already built your customer list? Who's already serving my audience? Then you have a list of companies, a list of people. Now, they already spent the time, the energy, the effort, the resources, the capital to build the followers on social media, to run the advertisements, to build the email database, to build the private Facebook group, to build the text message list. Um, and now that business has probably already marketed to that list and they've probably already extracted most or all of the buyers from that list. Most businesses have three types of lists. They have a buyer's list that's called an active buyer's list. Those are buyers who have recently bought and are continuously using the service as of right now, today's date. They bought and they're still using the service. They're active buyers. 
For example, Netflix, you bought Netflix, you're still subscribed, you're an active buyer. Then there's inactive or non-active buyers. Those are people who bought and now they have canceled. They're no longer using this service, either because um, they finished the service, like a six-month coaching plan, and now they're done, or maybe the they canceled. I, I'm done. I, I just did three months of the coaching and service, and now I'm done. Or I used Netflix for two years, now I'm done. Those are inactive or no longer active buyers. That's another list. And then the third and the final list is leads that were generated, names, emails, addresses, phone numbers of leads from marketing and maybe affiliate acquisitions of other lists. And those are non-buyers. They have never bought ever from your product or service. And that's usually the largest list. Most people statistically across all businesses will have a 90% non-buyers list, meaning that 100% of your leads only 10% will usually ever buy your product or service at most 90%. And this is for, this is for companies doing a good job of, of, of marketing. You have a lot of lead flow coming in, not like little scrubs who have like a tiny business worth. We have 100% conversion. Okay. You're playing too small. If you're really big and you're generating a ton of lead flow, 10% will buy your product over the lifetime value of your marketing. 90% won't. And in some cases it's 97% won't. So the non-buyers list is massive. The the inactive non-buyers list is pretty big as well. And then the smallest list is the current active buyers. So three different lists, active buyers, non-active buyers, and non-buyers ever. You reach out to those businesses, those people. Who has my audience? Who has my customer? You have a list. You know they have three different types of leads and customers, non-buyers, non-active buyers, and active buyers. And you say, Paul, I know that you have an audience. I love what you're doing. Congratulations. And by the way, it's arbitrage. First, if you interview them like you're doing now, it becomes a really good effective way to build the relationship first. Oh, Paul loved you. Great interview. And then we have a conversation offline. Hey, Paul, by the way, I wanted to ask, um, I love what you're doing. And I noticed on your business side, outside of the podcast, you serve people in this way. I got a question for you. You know, would you be able, would you be interested in having a quick conversation around how you could not only profit and make additional revenue, but how you could also serve both your buyers, your non-buyers and your non-active buyers, how you could serve those people at a higher level and they'll love you for it. And how you can also profit from that. If you'd be interested in having a quick conversation, let me know. And again, I'm ad-libbing this and I'm shortening and condensing it for the sake of the example. You say, most likely, sure, at least most business owners would sound pretty stupid to turn down more money and to stop serving your audience. So most business owners will say, I'd love to make more money and I'd love to serve my audience. Fantastic. And then the conversation simple. I'd like to promote my product and service to one, two, or all three of your lists active buyers, non active buyers, and non buyers. Most businesses are almost always going to promote you to their non-buyers list because it's like saying, can I literally, Paul, can I come to your house? Can I take your trash and can I convert your trash into cash and give it to you? Most people will convert cash. I'm sorry, trash into cash and your non-buyers list who has never bought from you. They basically said, I'm not interested, Paul. Thanks for nothing, Paul. Would you like to have those people still give you cash and feel good about it and know that they got served and taken care of? Because they're interested. They just didn't want to buy your stuff. You could still make money from them and you can serve them. 
most business owners say that sounds like a sweet deal turn my trash into cash so what you do is they promote you to their non-buyers now that's their biggest database 90 to 97 percent did not ever buy but they might buy your stuff that is one way to grow your business exponentially fast you go and you get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds if possible of businesses and individuals who built the social media following who built the email list the buyer's address list the phone numbers list the private facebook group list and you get them to promote you to their one two or three lists non-buyers non-active buyers and buyers um active buyers and so most people will be happy to promote you to their non-buyers and if you're lucky you can also convince them to promote you to all of their entire list um i have made tens of millions of dollars doing that right there turning trash into cash and giving to my my businesses my affiliates my joint ventures who who are doing those deals with with us um and then if you don't have a product you don't have a service you don't have a business and you're like jesus mark that sounds incredible but i don't have a business yet great then you broker and facilitate deals like i have three full-time jv brokers on my team they go and they find the people who already have my list and they connect that so now it's like somebody listening to this goes i don't have a product service or business great go and find paul and paul has a list of those three active buyers non-active buyers and non-buyers and the person listening that's you right now the person listening goes great paul i think you should promote mark me and so somebody listening connects paul and mark right now on this podcast and paul promotes mark and paul's audience buys Mark's product because you listening right now, yes, you listening, connected Paul and Mark, and we made money, you will get a commission, usually ranging between five and 10% of the total sales. So if Paul and I make $100,000 in a month, um, Paul's audience buys Mark's product, you connected us, you'll get a five to 10% broker fee or second tier affiliate fee different terminologies depending on the industry. Um, and that's 100% regular business every single day. It happens all the time. You're either not aware or you're uneducated. And usually they go usually they go hand in hand. But as soon as I was aware of that right there, that there's literal commissions built in. Like if Paul, if somebody said, hey, Paul, I, I'm going to send you $100,000. Would you be happy to give that person a commission of some sort? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, otherwise, you'd be dumb and you'd miss out on the hundred grand completely um, and it'd be gone. And you're like, I, all I wanted was 5% of the hundred grand and I'll bring the hundred grand to you. It's like, yes, I have people bring me millions and millions of dollars and all I pay them is 5%. That's, so that's like, Mark, would you like $3 million? You only have to give me uh, 150 grand. And then you get 2.75 million. I go, yes, I'll be happy to pay you 5% all day. You're going to help me buy my next house. Um, fantastic. And so that is how you can do it on one side or the other. If you have your own business, who has your audience, partner with them um, as an affiliate or JV. If you don't have a product or service, then be a broker who connects two different people. Because I have three full-time JV brokers that I pay 5 to 10% to. And all they do is go and find people with a list and then get them to promote my product. And they connected us so they get a percentage. Boom, that's a multi-million dollar idea right there. That is. For anybody. It, it was a slightly longer than a quick win, but it was 100% worth it, my friend. So That is it. the most valuable win of every other thing I could, because 
Because that one makes you money instantaneously. Yeah. Next week, next week you've got money made right there. Before I jumped on this call, my JV broker hit me up, said I got you a JV for next week. Boom, that's another fifty grand right there. Um, so the idea I just gave you is, and they, the team, my JV broker messaged me, said I got a guy to promote you next week. Does it work? I said yes. Boom. He knows he just locked in commission. The other guy promoting us knows he just locked in commission and takes care of his audience. And I know I just locked in more money as well. Boom. The deal, that idea I just gave you is a multi-million dollar idea over the next couple years if you execute it efficiently. And that's why there's no, uh, any other strategy I give you most likely would be like, it could take months or years before it really pays off millions. That idea could pay off millions really, really quick. Phenomenal, I really appreciate you sharing that as well, Mark. Now, now we've only got a couple of minutes left as well today. So what seven figure entrepreneur would you nominate to be on the show next? I mean, I have a lot of seven and eight figure you know, in nine figure friends in the entrepreneur space because of what I said in the beginning, change your environment, change who you hang out with. So I've been blessed to be able to get myself through seminars and events and connecting and networking with a lot more successful people. So bro, I got a long list, um, specifically for coaches, consultants. Yeah. 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 Um, um, my buddy, um, Liam and Lewis at Coaching Masters would be great for you. Uh, my buddy Jesse Ecker would be great for you. Um, it's a long list. Uh, Dan Henry would be great for you. Um, you know, Anthony Morrison would be great for you. Um, bro, I, again, the list is huge. I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving out like 30 of my friends. So if they listen to this, I, I'm sorry. Um, there's a lot though. Again, you're like you're like right in my zone of expertise. Like people helping small businesses, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, e-commerce, et cetera. I got a big list. You can message me offline and I'll, okay. I'll, I'll be happy to share a whole <laughs> list with you. But those people I, I named are all just total badasses. Uh, uh, um, uh, Mark, fi finally, where can people find out more about the awesome stuff you do and uh, everything else? Uh, shortenthegap.com is where you can find you know, free trainings, resources, follow me on social, reach out to me um, via email and my team and I. Um, check out some of my interviews on my TV show, Business Rockstars, which is on Amazon Prime, airplanes, radio, television. Um, so that's shortenthegap.com. Fantastic. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks, brother. And you've been listening to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast with me, Paul Ace, and my amazing guest, Mark Lack. Remember, amplify your business and amplify your life. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast. To access the show notes, episodes, and this month's giveaway, head over to www.amplifytosevenfigures.com. Remember, amplify your business, amplify, amplify your, your life. life.